0: First off, let me apologize for the blatantness of this episode and the sound of my voice. I have been fighting a cold the last few days and it's taken a lot out of me. Serial killers have been a thing almost as long as there has been serial. Bad joke. But seriously, for better or worse, the world loves a good serial killer. At least, they love hearing about one and only after. We don't like to think that it can happen to us. I mean, just look at the plethora of shows and movies and podcasts all about the subject, a line I'm sure I've said before here. I mean, heck, even as I type this, I'm sitting in a room, the soft clicking of keys only interrupted by the sound of the Dexter theme song as the next episode begins. The subject of today's episode is H.H. H. Holmes, a man who predated the term serial killer, but was very much deserving of the title. So, spoilers aside, who was he? H.H. H. Holmes was born in 1861 with the name Herman Webster Mudgett in Glimpton, New Hampshire, USA, to parents Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price. By most accounts, Levi was an alcoholic who was known to rain down his wrath onto his children. The young Mudgett was bullied in school, but he was reportedly a very intelligent child. It was also during this time that he took an interest in medicine and became fascinated by skeletons and death. Mudgett showcased his intellect by graduating high school at 16 and then entering the University of Michigan Medical School, where his fascination with death was taken to new heights. It was also there that Mudgett became Henry Howard Holmes. While enrolled at the university, it is believed Holmes began his life of crime, first by taking cleavers and instruments from the lab and then by taking whole cadavers, disfiguring them, and then leaving them as if they were in an accident, only for him to claim a life insurance policy that he had taken out on them. After obtaining his medical license, he took a job in Chicago, leaving his life behind, and it was when the owner of the store died and left it to his widow that Holmes set his sights on her. She would eventually disappear after selling the store to Holmes and, as the story goes, was never seen again. Now that he had a drugstore, he went for the empty lot across the street and began to design his murder castle. The murder castle was a three-story house that Holmes had had built and was a certified house of horror. It was a maze, fake doors, deceptive hallways, stairs that led to nowhere, a design that ensured that no one unlucky enough to get inside would have an easy time getting back out again. The castle also operated as a hotel, and a unique requirement for working or staying or having someone stay on the grounds was to have a life insurance policy, which Holmes was happy to pay the premiums for as long as he was named beneficiary. It goes without saying, but there were more than a few disappearances. And still, he was never caught. This was also the case for the World's Fair of Chicago. When it was announced that Chicago would host, Holmes saw it as an opportunity and more deaths and murders followed. So how does this extremely abridged retelling of H.H. Holmes' story end, you ask me? How does someone with the obvious intellect that Holmes had get caught? To answer that, let me ask you this. Do you know how Al Capone was caught? Tax evasion you know how the BTK killer was caught? He asked the police if they could trace him through a floppy disk, and then he sent them a floppy disk. The point here is that a seemingly minor, insignificant detail caused his own downfall. So after the World's Fair, Holmes decided it was time to get out of Dodge and pack up and left. But as people like him are wont to do, he could not give up his deceptive lifestyle. After leaving Chicago, Holmes traveled to Texas and set up shops stealing horses and shipping them to St. Louis to sell and make a fortune. Only, in Texas, things are a bit stricter and Holmes was arrested. It was in jail that he partnered with Marion Hedgepeth and the two concocted an insurance scam, a Holmes classic. When he was released on bail, he attempted this ruse, but the insurance company wasn't so quick to pay out. Holmes had an accomplice throughout this. Benjamin Peitzel. He again made a move this time to Philadelphia and attempted to plan again this time with Peitzel only he killed Peitzel instead of faking the death and collected the money for himself. Hedgepath, angry that he had not received any money from Holmes for his failed fake death contacted the police in 1894 and the search for Holmes began. The year was 1894 and on this day, November 17th, the serial killer, H.H. Holmes, was caught and arrested. They tracked him to Boston and that's where he was arrested for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel. It turns out the Chicago police had always been kind of suspicious of him and those suspicions were added when the janitor of the murder castle came to them and told how he was never allowed on the top floors. This raised a bit of a red flag and the police went to investigate. In their investigation, they put together how he selected and killed his victims, but the investigation was all brought to an end, at least murder castle-wise, on August 19, 1895, when a fire burned down the building. Some might say that the fire was caused by mysterious circumstances. Some might say. He was taken to trial, and it was while on trial for the murder of pitecell that Holmes would confess to killing in the murder castle by his admission he killed 30 although that number is disputed as some of the people he named were still alive sometimes he would claim innocence sometimes demonic possession by satan so no one really knew what to believe he was found guilty and on august 7th 1896 he was hung until he was dead at only age 35 his final words take your time don't bungle it the number of holmes's victims remains unknown he admitted to 30 but some think it more likely it was slightly less at 27 or 28 some however believe it could be as high as 200 of those possible 200 holmes had no discrimination he would kill men women and children alike the truth is perhaps it's a number we will never really know That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Your Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.